Good morning. It's Pentecost Sunday, the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples. Let's stand and worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. this morning is found in Psalm 47. Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations, God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted.
God, you call us today just as you called the disciples on the day of Pentecost. You challenge and support us, revealing the brokenness of our communities, giving us the peace that our world needs. You point us to the path of the cross and then remind us of the joy of the resurrection. Transform us, O God, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us breathe deeply of the breath of life. Blow through us and change our lives forever. Amen.
scripture reading this morning is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 24. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 24. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. All right, let's bow in prayer to dismiss little ones to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you for each and every one of the children in our congregation. We pray that as they go to Children's Church, they will have a wonderful time learning about you. We pray also be with the teacher, give them the words to say that will stick for all of their lives. We also pray a blessing on this service today that you speak here today. We bring all these things before you. Amen. All right, children, children's church, down the hall, that way. All right, if you have your bulletins on you, now's the time to pick them out. There's a couple things that are on here. Uh, one, Wednesday, 7 p.m., prayer meeting at the church. Uh, Wednesday, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m., that's youth. They're going to meet at Dawson and Bethany's this week. And then next Sunday, 10.45 a.m., that is the Sunday school picnic. Uh, it's going to be in the multi-purpose room, just like we have held it before, so bring your lawn chairs to get settled in. There's going to be a barbecue following. Uh, bring a potluck side dish or dessert, and Bilal and Fatima should be coming out. It's going to be a great weekend. Make sure to come out for that. Now, if you skip down, tonight, uh, tonight, this afternoon at 2 p.m., is the Gospel Music Afternoon in memory of George Rogers. We actually are going to, if you want to stay after the service a little bit and help set up tables, we would very much so appreciate that. Uh, but otherwise, come out at 2 p.m. It's going to be a good time. Uh, today, also at 12.30 p.m., the YFC Redemption Ride is happening. The 
Uh, registration point is the Honda dealership, Avenue Honda in Portage, and then the ride is going to Gladstone, and there's going to be an after party at the Co-op Home Centre parking lot. Uh, everyone is welcome to come, uh, assuming here that they like barbecue, supper, and live music. Oh, that is going to sound wonderful. And so that is also today. Uh, the EMC Festival, June 11th to 12th. It is in Steinbach. Registration is still open. Just go to emconference.com to sign up. Uh, you can also check out all of the things that will be going on in the conference there. I would encourage you all to do it. Uh, it's wonderful that it's close and also that it's happening after all of these years of not being able to because of the pandemic. So... EMC Festival, June 11th to 12th, that's this coming weekend. And June 26th is the Interdenominational Community Service. It's going to be held at the arena. Uh, I am excited for that as well. All right, then let's go on to prayer items. Uh, one, Valley View and Circle Square have both indicated that they continue to need staff as they operate over the summer. That is something we're going to want to keep in our prayers over the weeks to come, and I do mean weeks to come, not just June, but into the summer as well. On the one side, it's always too bad that there doesn't seem to be that full slate of staff off the hop, but on the other side, what that means is they need the staff to run for all the little ones, so that is a blessing too. So let's keep them in our prayers. Let's also pray for the EMC Festival. That is this coming weekend. It is the first one, as I said, after a number of years. Uh, not being able to do one in person, and so uh, there are things to pray about just to make sure that it goes smoothly. Uh, and, and then on top of that, Conference Council and Ministerial are on Friday and Saturday, and there's big things being decided upon there, so we're going to want to pray for wisdom on those decisions as well. And then finally, uh, for the mental, physical, spiritual well-being of our farmers, it is supposed to be like this all summer, where it's either nice and cheery or there's big storms coming. And so with how much rain that there has been, we want to keep our farmers in our prayers over the weeks in the summer to come. All right, so let's go now into a time of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning, first off, praising you for the sunny day that is before us. We could not ask for a better day for the memorial for George, and we could not ask for a better day for the YFC Redemption Ride either. And so we thank you, God, for that. And God, we also pray for the summer to come. Lord, we pray that as the rains do come, that you will temper them, and that it will not be a hardship on the farmers of our area. And God, we also want to pray for them just now as things might be getting discouraging. Some areas around here, five inches over a couple hours, that is very discouraging. And so, God, we pray, be with them. Give them the strength that they need. And, Lord, again, we pray, please temper the rain. And, God, we also want to pray for the camps in our area. Lord, it is wonderful news that they are able to go full bore again. And it's wonderful news to hear that they have all but filled up already with little campers that for many of them this will be the first time they come face to face with you and we thank you that they have that opportunity. But God, we also know that that comes with requirements of staff and we know that comes with requirements of counselors as well. And so God, we pray 
please provide them. Please tap the people on the shoulders who need to find themselves off a camp this summer in those roles. We have seen you do it countless times before, and we do really look forward to seeing you do it again. And God, we also want to pray for the EMC Festival coming up this coming weekend. Lord, we're thankful very much that we're able to meet in person again. From across Canada, the EMC coming together to worship you, to delve into your word, and to do the administrative business that it takes to run a conference. And so, God, we pray, be with the festival. Be with the people gathered there. Open their eyes to you like they never knew was possible before. And God, also bring wisdom to the meetings, to the discussions, to the decisions that need to happen. So that it sets the EMC in good stead, looking forward to build your kingdom across our country. God, all of these things we bring before you this morning. And we truly look forward to seeing how it is that you will run with it. Lord, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Now we turn to our last passage in our series entitled Come and See that we've been going through with the rest of the EMC, where we followed the Lord from his birth uh, to ascension last week and now beyond. Uh, today's passage, as you heard read, was Acts 2, 14 to 24. If you have your Bibles, I'd say keep them open to there. And there we read, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, and he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And we will pause there. Don't you appreciate that uh, with all of the many changes that society has gone through over the years, that it's uncouth to be trash first thing in the morning? That's as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. It's nine in the morning. We can't be drunk. But that response of Peter, we can't be drunk. It's only 9 a.m. He says that to some slanderers from the crowd uh, that they are talking to that level that accusation at the disciples during the passage that's right before this one, the story of Pentecost. Uh, and in that block of scripture, after Jesus uh, teasing it for weeks, he finally sends the Holy Spirit to his believers, to the apostles, and immediately they begin to preach, to prophesy, uh, to begin to share the gospel message that they know in all of the languages of the people that are gathered in the city that day, uh, which as they are in Jerusalem uh, during a Jewish festival, Pentecost is originally a Jewish festival of like praising God for the first harvest of the year, uh, there is a lot of different people from all over the Roman Empire and beyond 
Uh, it's a hub city. There's a lot of languages that are going on in Jerusalem. And most that are gathered there hearing the apostles speak, they are absolutely amazed. But there are some, we are told, that level this particular attack. Don't listen to these guys. They are clearly drunk talking like that. And I mean, to a certain extent, that makes sense. If you don't know a language and you hear somebody else talking it, then it might sound a little like babbling to you. But this bit of slander, it's worded in such a way that it's actually referring to and dismissing two different things out of hand. First off, it's dismissing that these men are performing a legitimate miracle through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in them. And we're going to put a pin on that because we are going to come back to that in just a bit. But secondly, this accusation is also dismissing something else as well. It's dismissing the gospel message itself. Or so we should take because in Acts it says that the disciples were telling about all of the wonders of God that they knew, to which immediately there comes from the crowd, these guys are drunk. And that is a sentiment that is still rather present these days in these often hopeless times that we live in. And here, I, I will say something a wee bit controversial, that maybe there is a little bit of a point. Maybe what it is that we Christians believe, the gospel we believe, it sounds a little bit like we're drunk that we would believe that in this rational day and age. Let's just summarize what we have learned about Jesus Christ that the apostles would have known as that as what they are telling the crowd. That, that's what they're telling the crowd. And so to begin doing that, remember that there has also been no hint or wisp of God that the people had seen for a couple hundred years before the New Testament begins. Then as the apostles would have experienced, there comes John the Baptist a desert wild man who built up a strong following, preaching the message, repent and be baptized because the Messiah is coming. A message straight from the Old Testament to which one day Jesus arrives into the picture and is baptized by John who then declares him to be the Messiah. And not only that, but God himself also claims Jesus, not just as the Messiah, but also as his own son, Imagine how big a jump that would be as one of the people in the crowd that day, having not heard whisper rumor of God for several hundred years. The story goes on. Jesus is overcome by the Spirit of God, and he books it off into the wilderness himself where he is tempted for 40 days, fasting the whole time, yet somehow he stands strong against the sin and the devil. Then upon his return, while the disciples likely have all heard of Jesus at this point, many of them were followers of John, our Lord then goes to the apostles, hand-selecting them, asking them to follow him, to which they give up everything and do just that. There's never been a time in any society where giving up all that you do to follow somebody who just asks you to follow them is something that people immediately grasp onto. 
to which this group then goes out across the Galilean countryside preaching John's message of repentance and baptism, but now also adding an additional emphasis that soon the kingdom of heaven prophesied also in scripture would come. The kingdom that would see the low risen up, those who oppress others then humbled, and that would see God on the throne and sin done away with, the creation and people that God and Christ love themselves renewed. And before that group knew it, Jesus' mission became known just across not only the countryside, but across Judea, across Palestine itself. For this message has a way of grabbing hold of you. And more than that, there was miracles and teachings about how we should live our lives so we can follow God. There was miracles and signs that all solidified Jesus as the Messiah in the minds of a now sizable group of people. But as these miraculous days went on, these teachings from our Lord, they drew progressively more pushback from the powers that be until one day, while preparing to attend the yearly Passover festival, Jesus arrived at Jerusalem and was welcomed into the city by crowds of people as if he was their king. And this obviously printed a pretty big target on his back to which he was betrayed by one of his own disciples and though sinless himself was put to death because of the sinful acts of others. But then Jesus Christ rose again, was resurrected, and in that showed us that even sin itself, death itself, was not enough to keep him from us. He showed us in the resurrection that we too can be saved from sin and from death if only we believe Christ to be God's Son, our Messiah, and follow Him. And then after the resurrection, Christ stayed with the disciples, the now 11 disciples, for 40 days in Jerusalem before ascending into heaven, where He is to this day in the realm of God, where He promised to send the Spirit of God to be with us. That's something only God can do so that we could have a direct line to the Father through the Spirit pointing us to the Son. That is roughly the story of Jesus as the apostles would have known it. What's more, as the apostles would have lived it. And that's the important part there. And say it all at once to a group of people who again had not seen God work directly for centuries and who likely largely assumed that God just didn't work like that anymore. And you can begin to see why some of the people in that crowd before Peter thought that the disciples had to be drunk, believing something as absolutely fantastical and hope-filled as that. But to this, Peter's response is clear. We are not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's far too early to hit the sauce, which is to say that all that we have just told you about these wonders of God this is true. We were Jesus' apostles. And we have experienced all of this. We were a part of this story. And we tell you firsthand that as miraculous as it may sound, this happened. To which the passage goes on, with Peter further addressing those who would question the good news that they now 
brought through the work of the Holy Spirit to those gathered before them that day. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord on that day will be saved. And here we come across the second part of that dismissal of drunkenness. As a dismissal of the miracles that the Spirit of God is with the disciples as they now speak to those gathered before them in all languages that day. And to address that part of the dismissal, Peter immediately throws at the crowd gathered before him a passage from the book of Joel, which is an interesting thing to keep in mind in itself, because Joel, as you can tell from this block of Scripture, is through and through and apocalyptic. He wrote during the time of the kings of Israel, and his whole book is all of three chapters long, if you want to read it. It won't take very long. And it is split more or less into two sections. The first is all about the great hardships that will come to the people of Israel and that the people of Israel are currently going through. And they are tough times. But then the second is how one day soon in the last days when they come, God will pour out his spirit on the people and he will be with them as their king. And at that time when his kingdom is fully built and all that call on him will be saved. So as Peter speaks to those gathered, this is what he tells them as he speaks. We are not drunk speaking like we are. We are sober because booze is not why we are speaking like this. This is instead an act of the Spirit of God himself, which is possible because now, my brothers and sisters, we are in those last days. The days that the prophet Joel foretold would see the Spirit of God descend upon all the followers of the God of Israel. And as we see here, that is also the followers of Jesus Christ. That the followers of Jesus are the followers of God can be seen clearly in this miracle as the Spirit is without a doubt upon us Jesus disciples now. Only you know, now do as Joel says, and you cry out the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, you will know that the Spirit will be in your life too. You will know the salvation that our Lord offers to us as well. Those gathered before Peter and the disciples that day would have been no strangers to the stories of the Spirit and God, the Spirit of God and the wondrous things that he does because the Old Testament is filled with exactly those types of stories, right? From the beginning of Genesis in verse 2 is where we first meet the Spirit and he's participating in creation itself. 
And as the pages go by, the Holy Spirit comes again and again on Joshua, on Othniel, on Gideon, on Samson, on Saul, helping each do mighty things in the name of God. These are some of the most amazing stories in all of Scripture, but each of them is also just a story of an individual that the Spirit comes upon, and for short bursts of time. But what Peter was now preaching to those before him, what the disciples were living out before those gathered before them, those who were witnessing this miracle in awe was something different than this, was something new, something that was foretold by Joel, something that Jesus also said would happen soon and was now happening. Now the Spirit would be here not just for one-off acts of wonder, but instead permanently. And not only just for individuals, but instead for all believers to equip us to build the kingdom, to build the church, to form that direct relationship between God and those of us who follow him in our lives. That is why the Spirit is with us. These are the last days that Joel spoke of. These are the last days that have come. These are the last days that we live in, Peter tells us even today. But they are not the last days of all things but instead they are the last days of fallen creation. They are the last days of the rule of sin and death, the last days where people are stepped upon while those who would step upon them stand tall. With the Spirit in us, equipping us to follow as Christ taught us to, we the church are living in the last hopeless days of how the world has been. These are the last days because now the Spirit is in all of us believers. Now that the Spirit will be with all who call on the name of the Lord, that the same Spirit that was part of creation is now with us all in this way, and how could these not be the last days of what has been? Because what obstacle is so high to keep the kingdom, to keep new creation from coming when God is with us all? And our series concludes. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves now know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. 
verse 21 comes to mind again. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Because as we saw, our Lord was put to death due to the sin of others, our sins included. But even that sin was not enough to keep him away from his creation that he loves, keep him from us, you and me, who he loves. And so now as Christ sits in heaven with his heavenly Father speaking on our behalf, now that we can see him clearly because his Holy Spirit is with us, pointing our gaze to him, you better believe that if only you ask, you will be saved from the pain of death just as our Lord was. That one day you will know resurrection just as our Lord does. Because if you call on Christ, he will claim you as his own and he will wipe the slate of sin clean and he will help you to follow God as he taught us to. He will, through his Holy Spirit sent to us, equip you to, by following him, build the kingdom of heaven, build the new creation where all will be set right as you never thought was possible before. Though the world might seem bleak often these days, though the spirit in us, Christ's light, can be shone to the corners of the darkness. Though the world's problems may seem insurmountable, through the spirit in us, Christ can, God can, with us, move mountains. The low can be risen up. The oppressors can be brought low. Christ will sit on his throne. Sin can be done away with. Because soon creation will be renewed at last. While some in this fallen world may look at us and the hopelessness that they see everywhere they turn and level at us that we must be drunk to believe all this. It is true. We have the first-hand accounts of people who lived these events themselves. Each who would go to their ultimate death, clinging to what it is that they knew to be the truth. That's not something you do for a lie. What's more than even that, we as followers of Christ also have in us the Spirit of God himself who we've seen countless times in our own lives, in the lives of people that we know and throughout history point the way to Christ and to life in the new creation, in the kingdom that will soon come. We are in the last days, the days when the scourge of sin and death, as Joel and Peter point out, are often painfully too apparent. These days are slowly being defeated by the work of the Holy Spirit through us. The Holy Spirit always pointing to Christ, who shows us the Father through him, the Holy Trinity. We are in the last days. 
And though the division among us might be hard, though the war and rumors of war and pollution and environmental destruction and the famine and iniquity and inequality that plagues our world might be hard, soon we will see the culmination of millennia of work by our triune God to bring us his fallen creation that he loves back into his full embrace, fully restored and then some. Soon we will see that come to pass. We are in the last days, but by calling on the name of Jesus Christ, you can have hope that soon the beginning after the last days will come. Over the past 10 months, we have followed the life and mission of Jesus Christ. We began by learning how all scripture points to our Lord. Then we followed Jesus just as we, albeit very quickly, outlined today. And at every stop along the way, we saw how God was reaching out to his creation to set what was broken right, to address the sin that plagues us so that we can be with our God face to face, embraced again, so that we can see true healing brought to people and our land. Today, with the coming of the Spirit to all believers and with it the establishment of the church, because that is what the Spirit arriving does. We see this mission of our God finally enter into the end game. The end game where we still find ourselves today, where all that is left is for the great inevitable to come to pass. And so, for our last assignment in this series, this is what I have for you. With the spirit of our God now in us, we now have all that we need to fully know Christ, to fully know God, and to fully be a part of building his kingdom that is to come. All that is left now is for us to decide for ourselves that we are going to dedicate ourselves to that mission. So, how about it? Will you do that? This week, will you call on the name of the Lord and live as he has taught us to? Will you do that? Will you live for all that Christ calls us to live for, to be a good shepherd of creation, to live for the poor, for the mourning, for the meek, for the righteous, for the merciful, for the pure-hearted, for the peacemakers, and the persecuted. Will you do that? Will you proclaim the good news that our Lord called us to call out from the rooftops themselves, that Christ is God, and that the new kingdom of heaven is on its way? 
that the sin that drags us down and causes us to lose hope in the world around us and the future that is to come, they now have an answer. That salvation is possible if only we call on the name of the Lord. That if only we repent and choose a baptized life, declaring to all that we are for this God and we will live to this end, there are hope in the days to come. Will you do that? This week, and those following it, will you choose to dedicate or rededicate yourself to living for this man who is God incarnate? For Jesus Christ. For 10 months, we have looked to him now so I say the time has come, the time to come and see what Jesus will do through both us and also through McGregor EMC. As we respond to that challenge, let's sing together, Breathe on Me, Breath of God. service to help set up tables, it would be appreciated. But for our benediction, we turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve Jesus Christ. <laughs>